What's up, Podcast Land? We are back again, and once again, we're here to talk about an unbelievable weekend of racing in MotoGP. I'm super excited. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice, with my man, Bo, as always. What's going on, Bo? Hey, Jason. Um, like you said, just a fantastic weekend of racing. It was uh, I, I just the, the, the level of excitement was just kind of elevated the entire weekend through all the practices. I don't know what it was, but it was just a great weekend. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm all about this right now. I'm ready to go. Well, you know what? I mean, it was really, really exciting this weekend. We we saw some world championships decided. We we saw a back-to-back win. I mean, some good things uh, happened this weekend. And, and you know what, man? I, if every weekend for racing could be like this weekend, I, I think everybody would be a fan. Like, it it had some real, real drama. So, you know, let's, let's just jump right into it. Um, you know, the Moto3 race was, uh, in a word, Fagia. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Th- what a race by this guy. He is on absolute fire. Um, there's what else can you say? I mean, Dennis Fagia wins the race. Jamma Masia comes in second. And Pedro Acosta uh, finishes third there uh, for his first podium in a while um, and really kind of helped his championship chances right there. But let's talk about Dennis Fagia. Dennis Fagia right now is just on another planet. I mean, at Mizano, this guy looks like Superman. What do you think? So, um, I don't know how much of practice that you watch, but did you did you hear during practice they were talking about um, his father and his presence in the pit? No, I, I did not. So I did not watch that. We saw, you know, we kind of caught the tail end, the drama that that kind of unfolded, or the the backlash between Team Leopard and Dennis Fodge. You know, we thought there was kind of a rift there between that team and and Dennis, uh, but it, it was talked about a little bit more in depth this weekend that when Dennis Fodge's dad is in the pit, he averages eight points per race. When Dennis Fodge's dad is not in the pit, he averages twenty points. So I think. Team Leopard was absolutely justified in kicking his dad out this season and barring him from coming down into the pit and being a part of that pit box. Um, that's pretty crazy. So I mean, that's that's crazy know. that a dad would be that detrimental. Well, to and, his, and you know, son's they even they expanded on a little bit more and talked about. I think it was Marquez's dad. You know, they said you, you know with Marquez's dad being in the the uh, the HRC garage every race, he's only allowed to ask certain questions. He's not allowed to talk about the bike at all. He, he's not allowed to ask how the bike's doing. He's not allowed to ask about setups. Anything that he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about, he's not allowed to talk about it. So he's allowed to ask a basic question like how are you this morning? And then that's it, you know, and then he's just to sit there on his hands and watch the TV, you know? So it's, it's, I think it's easy for us to get lost in how, just how serious these teams are, you know, because we, we go to a track day and that's our frame of reference. You know what I mean? We've seen club racing and that's our frame of reference. Um, but to this level, and it makes sense, you know, these guys are at the tip of the spear, the best in the absolute world. These are the top 20, 28, 20, uh, in moto three, at least, you know, top 28 riders, um, in the world at that class level. So, you know, to know that that's that big of an impact though on Dennis Foggia, it, it's a bit unnerving to look at uh, ahead down the road, you know, because we see uh, riders like Maverick Vinales that are 
affected very, very detrimentally mentally um, whenever a rider like Marquez gets behind him and they don't like follow him. Um, you know, we don't see that with Adafagia on track, but, you know, if, I'm not sure if that could be something that could come out later on down the road, but evidently, you know, Afagia, when he doesn't have his dad pestering him in the pit or, or, or that pressure on him, uh, he just goes out and does his job and, and brings home wins. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about podiums that much anymore. We're talking about wins out of this guy. Really, it, it's really been amazing the transformation that's happened ever since that all blew up. And, you know, I... If, if his dad is that detrimental, then yeah, you absolutely have to support the team's yeah. decision to say, you yeah. know, get out. And I'm not, I'm not mad at him because, you know, it, it matters to them too, how well Dennis Fagia does. And, uh, he obviously doesn't need his father in that pit box to run well. And, uh, he's not in there. So, uh, you know, we say fast Fagia is what I call him, but fast Fagia is, is just, he is Superman at Mizano and he, uh, he's just, he's just doing what he's been doing for the last, you know, few races, I, I, probably 10 races really. I mean, this guy's just been on fire and I, I just don't know what else to say about it. Like he's just super fast. Now watching the race though, I mean, Stefano Nepa was up there early, early, you know, he was up there fighting at the front and I, I wrote down Stefano Nepa with an exclamation point. Like that guy's out there leading the race for a lap or two. And I was like, Oh my goodness, are we about to see something crazy? But he ended up finishing in fifth. Um, but I, I did notice one of the big things, you know, was that when Faggio went, Massio went with him, but he, he made a mistake on the last lap because he was looking for a last corner pass. And, uh, he made a mistake on the last lap and it cost him some time and I honestly I think the mistake was because Fagia had picked the pace up and I think you know Masia was really pushing trying to stay with him and uh you know Masia ran a great race he brought it home in second um but I know he was disappointed that he couldn't make try to make a move but you know sometimes some your competitor just has it on you and today that day Fagia had it yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, it, it was a really exciting race all the way down to the wire. And like you said, you know, Stefano Nepa, uh, a lot of credit goes to him uh, about the progress that he's been able to make th this week, or excuse me, this season. Um, and seeing him closer up to the front, you know, he's mixing it up with guys like Antonelli and Fanati and, uh, you know, and doing, doing well. And, um, and this race was a good race because there weren't there weren't any mistakes there. You know, it was just get up, get out front with those guys and hang with them, and then get out, get that experience and keep running. Um, right. You know, like you had mentioned, uh, Pedro Costa really had to work through the pack with this race. You know, he he start, he had poor start. I think I don't think he even got out of Q1. Um, you know, started was it 14th or or, or even further down. It was way back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, wait, was, let's was see. It? Let me let me see Q2. Um. You know, he was Pedro Costa started in fifth. Fifth, it was I'm okay. that started way back down. That's the grid. right. Yeah, he started in 14th, and then he worked his right. way all the way through. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you even watch MotoGP? Uh, Do you, you even know watch what? It? There was so much racing going on this weekend. I was I was <laughs> race drunk by the end of Sunday. Yeah. So yeah. I'll uh, I'll get yeah. So I, I, Acosta did not start well, but at the same time, Fagia just unbelievable with his ability to come through the pack, and I I, I really think. Fagia has a a little extra at Mizano, right? Like I just feel like that, and 
And uh, we'll see. He's won at some other tracks, of course. But I, I just feel like we used to say Rossi and Mugello. He always had a little something extra. Well, I feel like that is the way Faji is with Mazzano a little bit right now. Um, it may not be, but uh, his win here sure does make the next race very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, he's 21 points back on Acosta right now, so the championship could definitely be decided, it could right. be decided out of a one corner. You know, one mistake yeah, in one corner can absolutely yeah. be can decide what what happens. Um, well, yeah, well, talking about Acosta, I have a few things. I, you know, he chose the hard rear tire, um, and that turned out to be an okay choice for him. Um, he finished on the podium, so, you know, I, you finish on the podium. You didn't do terrible. Um, but I wonder if that's what's been happening to him is rear tire life, you know, in these races, like he's been, you know, burning a tire up and it's, it was strange to me that he was the only one actually, I believe if I'm not mistaken, that went for this hard rear tire. And, uh, that's, that he gambled and it paid off a little bit. Well, you know, when they mentioned that he was on the rear tire, it kind of made sense to me because if you see Pedro Acosta in a lot of the big moments that he's had in races, it's always been on the rear, it seems. You know, he always loses the rear out of corners. He kind of gets the bike gets unsettled underneath of him. Um, and I'm not sure, like you said, you know, if he's chewing up rear tires uh, because he's one of the bigger riders in the Moto3 class at, at this point now, it, you know, and he thought, well, you know, if I've got to be hard out of some of these corners, I, it's going to give me the better life as the as the race goes on, you know, because we look at the fourth place finisher in Darren Bender, who I thought looked amazing in this race and looked really, really good. But then his tires <laughs> seemed to fall off a cliff. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you about Darren Bender. I'm ready, man. I'm ready for it. I'm not scared. <laughs> well, I, I, you mentioned Bender, but a couple of things I want to talk about with Acosta. You know, I I really have started to question um, in the last few weeks, is Pedro Acosta that, that killer, that killer instinct? Does he have it? Um, when everything was easy and fun and good, he... He was fast, and when things started to get a little bit closer to time and the pressure started to build, we started to see him fade. Now, I will reserve judgment on that until the end of the year because if he if he podiums the last three races, okay, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you're, yeah. you're good. Um, and if he wins the last two races, uh, again, okay, never mind. But but I just wonder what caused that problem in the beginning, in the middle of the year, and maybe it was the tire issue that you're talking about. Maybe that was it. Um but what I can say is that Acosta is clearly unhappy that Fagia is just handing it to him right now. Yeah, like he is unhappy about that. I think you're right. And like you had said, you know, I don't want to to jump to conclusions when it comes to Pedro Acosta because let's be real. He's, you know, how many races into his first ever world championship at this That's point, right. you know, in Moto3. Right. So it, it's really hard to label a rider about whether or not he is the, the next big thing or the, you know, the next Marquez, sure. which is what people have been saying a lot for quite a while now. Um, I, I would almost like to see Pedro Acosta in Moto3, you know, for another year to see exactly how he comes back, whether he wins his championship or Too not. Too bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and again, you know, we, you said the same thing about Foggia, you know, was I, I don't really want to see Foggia in Moto3 again next year. I would have liked to see if he's going to continue to be able to take it to, to Acosta and a different championship. But, you know, that's a yep. whole different ball game. You know, they're stepping up to a yeah. bigger bike. So, you know, and, and unfortunately those two aren't going to be riding together next year. Um, unfortunate for us, us at least. Um, 
Well, I, I think Fazio has got to be the clear favorite for next year. But I, I think um, to your point, you know, with Pedro, so, you know, we and lost in all this was that KTM did win the team championship in right, Moto3. Right. But, but I, I thought that this was a pretty good ride. I mean, he had a battle in that last lap on top. We have not seen him do that in a while. So, you know, maybe we can, you know, look at this rear tire thing and say, you know, maybe that was some of that. Maybe this was causing them. Maybe they couldn't figure out why he was having trouble. Um, or, or maybe like, maybe it's true what you said. Maybe he got a little bigger, got a little heavier, and that changed the geometry and the setting of the bike needed to be different. And and so we'll see. I mean, this last two races are big. And, you know, I, you know, if he beats Fagia in the next race, there's a good chance that the, that's it for the world title, right? I mean, that's it. But, you know, we'll just, we're, here we are. We just have to figure that out. And it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Um, you know, Darren Bender came in fourth. And, and you're right. Darren Bender looked good for most of that race. He did. And uh, he, he comes in fourth. He did start to have some tire trouble there. He had to be. But he was battling with Acosta and Nepa at the end there. And he came out in fourth versus the podium. It did look like for a long time, though, he was going to have that podium. But he just he just couldn't hold the pace. Uh, another lap, and Nepa might have gotten him. But... Uh, who knows? I mean, that's over. But, you know, a couple of names to mention, you know, uh, Romano Fanati, who was dominating the race last time until he crashed, finished in seventh. Um, my man Ryusei Yamanako finished in 11th. But really, um, I think the story was Dennis Fagia, his ability to come through the pack, win again. And then secondarily, the secondary story to me was that Acosta finally got back on the podium. You know, we saw a little fight out of him, and I've been wondering if we were going to see it. Yeah, and it I think it just does, it does come down to that. I think Acosta is in championship mode right now. I think he is feeling pressure out of Dennis Fodge, and he's doing everything that he can just to kind of mitigate some of that damage because I don't think that he's on the same level that Dennis Fodge is right now, kind of what you were saying. I agree. Fodge is taking it to him. Um, I, I just don't think he's got that extra oomph at the moment. Um, Fodge's got a lot of momentum in every single race that he's come to. Um, yep. You know, yep. so it's, uh, uh, it's going to be interesting. The last two races are certainly going to be – Really, 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 really fun for us to watch, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, the news came out that Darren Bender was named to the MotoGP seat at Patron, uh, well, what is now Patron's, but will be what RNF uh, yes. Yamaha. Um, and I personally think that's a terrible decision by the team. And I, I, I have, I don't, I don't like that move at all. And I don't even like it for Bender. I, the only thing I will say is that Bender is in a good satellite team there. It's a solid outfit, um, so he could have done a lot worse. I mean, he could have even, you know, there, there are a lot worse satellite teams to ride for. So take it for him. I understand why he did it. But I, I think this is a terrible move by Yamaha. I hate it. So, so why, though? Like, what are your reasons to, that you well, come okay. to that conclusion? You know, well, I, I have curious. a few. I have a, I have a few, and but I want to talk about first. What do you think is a successful MotoGP career? Like, give me 
the measuring stick. You want a career uh, or like what to uh, be or a rookie what is season? Six, like what are you what are you asking? You know oh yeah, I mean? no, no. Like he's got a two he's got a two year contract. Is that correct? Is that what I read? Two years. Um, I'd have to check. That sounds right. about right. I mean, if it's going to time with everyone else's contract, I mean that would right. Okay, so if he's on a two year contract. Uh, there's definitely going to be a learning curve rookie season. Uh, there's been very few times where a rookie came in and won a, a race or a championship. We saw Marquez do it, um, but it's not. Ha- it doesn't happen often, right? We don't see it often. Um, the The thing for me is the things that I think Darren Bender is good at are dive bombing. His passing, his ability to control the bike and get it stopped was pretty good. But but what I've never seen Darren Bender do is maintain championship-level uh, potential on the bike. And I, I say that because if you compare him to his brother, and we know that his brother was a world champion in Moto3, mm. right? He was a world champion. We know that he... Uh, has won some races at the thing one that I don't know how he stayed on the bike, but he did it. Um, in Darren Bender's career up to this point, he's had 115 races in Moto3. He's got one win, six podiums, three poles, and 32 retirements. That is more then a quarter of the races you entered, you didn't finish. Now, I don't know how many of those were mechanical, but I can guarantee you it's not the majority because I have watched Darren Bender and even made the joke that watching Darren Bender race should be a drinking game every time he finishes a lap. And that was a couple of years ago. But conversely, his brother had 93 starts in the Moto3 and 125 class. So he had the last. He was in the last year of the 125s for five races. He he had 93 races. He had seven wins, 20 podiums, six pole positions, and he only had 15 retirements. So he had 22 less races, but he won seven times as many races. He podium three times more than three times as much. He doubled the pole positions, and he crashed less than half. As much. That's my point. Darren Bender has done nothing to earn that seat over guys that have gone on to be mildly successful in Moto 2. So this had to come down, in my opinion, to sponsorship dollars that he could bring because his brother's there and people love to do the brother story and stuff, or something that I don't know about because Darren Bender. As much fun as he is in to watch, is not a world champion, and he's not—he's not even a, a a consistent podium finisher. I mean, this guy's been 115 races. He's got six total podiums. That's less, you know. That's I don't know. That's that's a lot less than five percent or six percent finishing on the podium. And you're telling me that that guy deserves that seat over someone else in Moto2, come on. If we start talking about deserves a seat, um, you know, based on results, Darren Bender's not the first person who has gotten a seat that doesn't deserve a seat. 
but I'm not going to get, we're not going to get in the weeds with that because we could talk about that for all night with multiple riders and multiple seats and multiple nationalities for that matter. Um, you know, Darren Bender tested a R1 Superbike in August. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that the, um, R1 is in any way, shape or form a measuring stick to the YZRF1 or M1 that in GP, but there is a power difference. There, there's obviously something different about the bike that, you know, from the Moto3 bike to an R1 that, um, Yamaha is going to be watching how he's adapting to that power difference and that, that handling of the bike and what's going on. And Yamaha saw something in this test, I think. Um, what this tells me, this, this move from Yamaha is possibly they are looking at building an infrastructure very similar to what KTM has tried to set up. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a satellite, the, the satellite team or a Yamaha team, developmental team in Moto3 now next year. I think that was announced this weekend. Um, and I believe that Darren Bender may kind of be that pilot um, for to kind of see what that infrastructure looks like at the MotoGP level to bring a rider into a satellite team, build him up, you know, kind of start from scratch. Um, with that power difference, though, I think that there's going to be a very steep learning curve, obviously, for Darren Bender. So there's a lot of pressure on Darren Bender. But what this move is from Yamaha's, it's a very cavalier move, and it's a bold move. And I'm not going to say that I don't like it, because I do. I think that Yamaha is, is taking a step towards younger riders. Yamaha has uh, older riders right now in their stable. Uh, Fabio is, is fairly young, obviously. But Morbidelli's a little bit older. Uh, Rossi, obviously, is exiting now. He was the oldest person in the grid. And then, you know, a full-time Andrea Davizioso next year is going to be, um, he's probably going to be the oldest rider on the grid actually next year at this point, right? I think he, uh, it's, it's probably going to be between him and Alicia Spargaro is who's going to be the oldest on the grid. And I think Dovey's got it. So I'm thinking Yamaha is going to lean hard on Dovey to bring Darren Bender up to speed and to give him something to, to learn from and really look at him to coach him through this learning curve. And, and of course, what we see is going to be on the back end. You know, the conversations you'll have with with Brad Bender and Brad will kind of guide him as best he can, you know, with the differences between the KTM and the Yamaha. But what Darren Brender, Bender brings to the table, I think, it, it's an unknown factor on, on this grid that everyone's kind of got their eyebrows raised right now. You know, everyone's questioning this this move. Uh, you know, you obviously don't like it. I'm sure there are multiple other sources in the in the MotoGP paddock that don't I, don't I, agree with it. Right. But I don't like you it. Know, I think it, it's the worst. Okay. Well, Bender brings you know an unknown wild card factor to this, and and, and you'd make the comment. That's not what you need me, at the GP level, Bo. Why not? We've seen teams that make gambles all the time. Every single time these go, these guys go. Every every single rider that these guys sign is a gamble. Look what happened with Yamaha and Maverick Vinales for four straight years. They thought that he was a sure thing. They thought that Maverick Vinales was going to be able to bring championships, and he was going to be the one to to rise to the Rossi occasion, and it never materialized. That, that's one hundred percent true. You know, look but at, they followed so, information. Maverick won at every other level. Right, but but once again, Bender has not. He won but once. You can't. But listen to what you're saying. At, at, you, you're you're spitting all these stats, and I don't I, I don't disagree with historical fact whatsoever because that's what that is. You know, facts don't care about your feelings, and that it is what it is. However, <laughs> you can't always predict the future based on past stats. 
once again, Maverick Vinales is okay. that that you know is is that oh, for sure. us? You sure. can say you can almost say the same thing about Brad Bender with the GP bike. You can almost obviously he's the GP winner, um, even his mm-hmm. rookie season, which was more than once, which was tremendously impressive. The rent with the win that he got in Austria this year was completely class, and it was amazing. So I don't want to take anything away from him, but you can't rubber stamp the fact that just because someone has done well in a a, a lower class means that they're going to be successful in the upper the GP class. Alex Marquez, you know, case in point. Alex Marquez hasn't taken to to that bike at all. And and I know what you're going to say. You're going to say it's because the the Honda is a dumpster fire, which I don't disagree no, no. with whatsoever. Well, right. I, that's that's true. You, you know, which <laughs> I don't disagree you, with. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going right. to. No, I'm not arguing <laughs> that at all. No, we agree. We, we do agree there. But but Darren Bender is also going to bring something to Yamaha. Darren Bender's going to bring attention to Yamaha. He's going to bring uh, that X factor to Yamaha, and it, it's something different than Yamaha has done mm. in the past. Yamaha has gone with the, what's tried and true and what should be good on paper. And and it's not really panned out for them until this year. I mean, technically they've won. Uh, you know, obviously we'll get to the to the GP championship later. Yamaha is back on top since the first time since Jorge Lorenzo um, in 2013, I believe. Um, but you know, you made the comment that Bender's uh, the the Bender was fun to watch because of his dive bond moves. Um, I and, yeah and, no and, he he was great there but he can't do that in GP and that to me was his redeeming quality and I want to touch on something you said you said that he's going to bring the X factor right uh, so in terms of likability Bender's a character he is likable like there's no getting around it however the X factor I think he's going to bring is a high fairing bill because he crashes in more than a quarter of the races that he enters. So let no okay uh, okay historical data once again you know we haven't seen him on a GP bike yet. So okay. you know you can't I don't think it's fair but to rubber stamp this before, him on a, right? You have seen you have seen Darren Bender on a Moto3 bike. No no right, but I've seen we've seen what happens when a guy goes from Moto3 to GP directly, right? We've seen that before with absolutely, Jack Miller. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and Jack Miller okay. is still putting it on the deck, though. <laughs> we know that. But I will tell you that I'm going to go back to a little more historical data here because what I don't think is that he earned the seat. That's what I'm. That's my point. Because and, Jack and, Miller... Oh, yeah, no, no. Was, I, yeah. yeah. If you want to so, compare the two, then yes, Jack Miller earned his seat over what Darren Bender has accomplished so far. Yes, I'm not going to dispute unless, that whatsoever. Right, in less than half the races, Jack Miller won six races right. and had ten podiums. And and so we saw Jack, especially so, that last year he was in Moto3, he was he was fast, Okay, and he won so some why races. Is, so why isn't Pedro Costa going to be on the KTM factory team next year? Because KTM has... Remy Gardner and Raul Fernandez in Moto Two, number one and number three. They have uh, Miguel Oliveira and Brad Bender on their factory. Miguel team. Oliveira and Brad Bender haven't done anything for the, much of the, much of anything for them this year. Miguel Oliveira has been on the deck more this year than than Pedro Costa. Yes, that's true. But what my point alone. is that just why because is, you, why is Pedro Costa not going to be in in a Tech Three KTM next year? But do you think he earned it over Raul Fernandez? I do not. Do you think he earned it over Remy Gardner? 
I do not. But but my point well, then is, then there to, you go. Right, but you've you've made your own point. <laughs> my my <laughs> my point here is that just because you know Pedro did win, he's won more races than Bender, and he's been he's a rookie, right? Right. But Pedro's moving on, and that's the part of the progression. If Pedro stalls out in Moto Two. He won't so, do it. Listen, so let me ask you, who would you put in that seat over Darren Bender? Well, I, I would, if I'm going to take a Moto3 rider, I would have taken Dennis Faggia over Darren Bender. I mean, he's won more races in the last three weeks than Bender's won in his career. So if you're looking at, it, what if we're talking natural progression through the ranks the way that we're, quote, supposed to? Who would you put in that seat? Okay. You so know, you're talking about from, from Moto2? From Moto2. Who, would I, who are you taking? I would probably say I would maybe put Aaron Kinnett or maybe Augusto Fernandez. But I don't think Augusto Fernandez has earned it. I, I think Kinnett has shown a lot this year in Moto2 as opposed to his first year. Uh, you know, as opposed to last year when he was struggling. I, I think Aaron Kinnett has overcome a ton. And... This move to me reeks of we wanted something that he brought that didn't have anything to do with riding the bike. Because if you're going by just talent, and this is what infuriates me about the sport. We've touched on it before. The people with talent that have earned that shot won't didn't get that that spot. He got it, and I don't know why he got it. Could it be because sponsorship dollars that he brings? Could be. Could it be because... Uh, he knows somebody, could be, I don't know. But I can tell you, based purely on result, that didn't do it. And I know that he tested that R1, but he did not even come close to the times that the, the factory R1 Superbike guys are putting out there. It wasn't close. Would you expect so, that, though? Like, honestly, I mean, to, so, to be honest, would you point. expect that's that, my, though? No, I wouldn't expect him to okay. do it. But so what there, there has so to you're be telling natural, me... You have to allow a natural... You have to allow the rider to develop. You're not even giving Darren Bender a chance to get on the bike yet. Uh, and he, No, he will... Here's my know, prediction. And, and, I'm going to give you, know, you my prediction. To compare, to compare the Aaron Kinnett comment and the Brad Bender, those guys are both sixth in their champion, respective championships right now. Brad Bender's 98 points off the lead, where Aaron Kinnett's 140 points off the lead. Now, that being said, the first response that you would think would be, okay, well, you can't compare those. Those aren't apples to, to apples because of Raul Fernandez and Remy Gardner. But also, we do have a Pedro Acosta and Dennis Foggia in the Moto3 championship. And, and also, Pedro Acosta and is also, no Raul Fernandez. And also, I'm saying that Right now. And also, I agree with that. And also, a Sergio Garcia is not in the Moto2 championship either, who has come on ridiculously strong this year. Right. Sergio's so, hurt. You know, He's we're out. Talking right? about, like, yeah. But, you know, Bender's sixth in championship, 98 points off the lead, so, which, I, I mean, that's not he's not going to win a championship we know that we know that that's fact he's going to gp without winning a moto 3 championship and even a moto 2 championship so that's 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 my point though when i asked the first thing give me what is successful for darren bender at the gp level give me successful just hanging around 
so I think you have to look at it by year. You have to set the proper expectation for the rider, you know, as he, you have to give him that, that time to move into the bike. He has to be able to adapt to it, to be able to learn what goes on with the bike. And it was talked about this weekend when Jack Miller moved up to the, uh, to the GP class, it took him a long time to figure out where the limit was on the front of the tire. So you have to set that, and this is on Yamaha. Yamaha has to be able to manage that expectation and set it very clearly to him to say, okay, you know, by the first X number of races, we want you to be at least be able to run in within this time delta of the leader you know and then within the next so many other races after that you should be aiming for a points podium you know points paying positions or what what have you you know what i mean to, to set clear milestones with him but to also provide a learning path um, for him to get there and, and and support for him to get there i think that's very important that yamaha do this because yamaha shouldn't and this is in defending Darren Bender here, Yamaha doesn't need to set him up for failure. And and I don't think that Yamaha wants to set him up for failure because Yamaha this year is the worldwide like powerhouse manufacturer. You know, we're talking now MotoGP uh, champions again, pot- potentially world superbike champions, um, you know, top, in top rack, Moto America and, and world super sport. Uh, the, Yamaha is on top this year of just about everything. Um, I mean, if, if Yamaha had a F1 car, I would be shocked if it wasn't closer to the front. You know, that that's obviously that's a joke. But I don't think I think Yamaha and it was is, hilarious. I got it. You, you know what? I'm done. I'm looking for a new co-host. <laughs> the this is Tyson's fault too, by the way. Um, I think that Bender absolutely brings something. Bender represents a bold move from Yamaha, um, and I have full hope that it is successful for both Yamaha and Bender. But to to answer your point, I don't think you can rubber stamp what is the successful season for Bender or even I think it changes I I think it's a goalpost that has to continue to move for him to be to to become successful because obviously the ultimate uh, the the first milestone is going to be you know points paying positions the second one is going to be a top 10 the third goal milestone is going to be let's hit a podium you know and then eventually into that win you know I I don't think that uh, you know I don't think that you can always um, going back to what I said earlier about Maverick Vinales, you can't set a proper expectation or a proper rubber stamp on what's going to happen based on historical data. It's just it, it's not going to to, to pan okay. out that way. I mean, if we want to look at it that way, we should have seen Joanne Mir be much be much more deadly of a championship threat this year um, than he was. Well, that's that's you true. You, so you make the point uh, about Yamaha. Yamaha's bikes are good, right? We know they're good this year. Next year, we'll see. Maybe they'll right, be better. Right, maybe yeah. they'll be worse. We'll see. But my point is that you don't, you you have to be kidding me to think that Darren Bender is going to be the answer for Yamaha. Because the reason you bring a guy into your satellite team is because you think maybe he could move up to the factory team. So at this point, you're telling me that you think Darren Bender may replace. Morbidelli or Fabio Quartararo. Well, we know he's not replacing Fabio, so now we have to look at Morbidelli, who we haven't seen healthy. So then, and, you're, so then you're, you you have to shift the conversation to what is the timeline in which Darren Bender is going to replace those guys? You know, because I think never the, the answer kind of is the, never. You think so? I, to, absolutely okay. not. So would you absolutely have said the same? So let's rewind back the clock to 2013. Would you have said the same thing about Jack Miller once it was announced? That he was going to be replacing Andrea Davizioso in a factory Ducati seat. I 
I didn't have the problem with Miller moving to GP. And Miller felt like he was he was a bigger guy. He wanted the chance to go to GP. Miller, the year before he went to GP, won six races. The one year. In one year, he won six races. So you know what? I'm cool with that. In six years, seven years, seven years, Bender's won one race. So I think we have to look at it like this. What do you think will make a successful run at RNF Yamaha. Now, you said the progression. I get the rookie progression. 100% agree with that. But after rookie year, what makes it a successful run versus what I think it is? And <laughs> What it, you it, think it is? What, right, versus a joke <laughs> that I think it's think a joke. It well, okay, yeah. well, let me ask you that. What do you think is successful in the second year of, of Darren Bender's career at Yamaha? What do you think is successful? I think uh, consistently in that top 10 and fighting for top fives every race and then a few podiums. Okay, but, I'll give you the Fabio argument simply because Fabio was not a strong Moto2 rider. Nope. He won you one know, race and got and that ride, that and we that, were like, what in the I, world? I think that could be part of Yamaha's approach here was that, you know, well, it kind of, this 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 bold move worked out with the Frenchman. Let's throw, you know, let's see what this, ha let's see what happens here. Um, you know, and and I just don't yeah, so know define, if. Define his successful career, because I feel a bet coming on. Like, I, I have no qualms making a bet here because I think I don't think I don't want to say unmitigated disaster but I think this is a wasted opportunity for them to bring someone up that might actually be able to move into um, a factory seat be it Yamaha or someone else in the future um because yeah, I think I Morbidelli and Quartararo are there for a long time. I, I really believe that they are going to be solid, both good dudes, both really fast. But, you know, we bring them up to a satellite team, and your guys are really good, and he's got his contract coming up. He doesn't want to race satellite anymore. He wants factory machinery so he can get up there. Totally get it. So I think that's results-based, though. You know, that's got to be... That's 100% results-based. If he's, if he's going to have the argument... The, if he's going to present the argument that I want a factory bike, then he's going to have to deliver. You know, Morbidelli earned that factory seat. More, you know, Morbidelli finished second in a championship with a two-year-old bike. You know, if anyone right. deserved a factory seat, it was Morbidelli this year. Um, Yamaha has to allow that time I'll put you him. in the red zone. I'll put you in the red zone. That's a football... American football reference, people. That's within the 20-yard line. I'll put you in the red zone with Darren Bender, and I'm not afraid. I will bet you. What are you going to bet me? What are we betting anyway? What, like, what, are, let's, what let's, are we betting? Yeah. Are we betting, like, how many races till he gets a points-paying position? What are we betting? No, I, look, I think he can it, finish but, in 15th. I mean, but if you – look, let's I'm, talk about – Finish in the championship because that's over the season. That's the real measure of whether or not you belong there. Not that you got 15th when four people crashed or not that you got well, two top tens when a wet so race when 12 people crashed. I say I think over that we can, I don't know. I, and before you blanket statement that, I want, I want to mention a name to you that you need to be very careful about how you phrase that statement about <laughs> the championship is where you really measure if you deserve to be there. Johan Zarco. Right. On a KTM. Johan Zarco. 
So you need to be very careful about how you phrase that that comment because if we, if Why? that's if that's what we well if that's what we're going to base the only two-time Moto Two World Champion. Okay. What, well, if, what do you need? Okay, send him to what KTM. Look what happened when he when he went to KTM. He almost ruined his career. Look what happened when he went to Ducati. Yeah, and he's he's doing poorly right now. He he start. I mean, right. Okay, fourth in the championship. I'll give him that. You know, but <laughs> okay, you know, he started the he started the year strong, but he started to fade recently. You know, and he's kind of overshadowed by how well Jorge Martin has been doing. But Jorge Martin's got to be able to keep it on a track. I was about to say, make him stop crashing, and I'll agree with that. Right. We're, he's won a race though, so Martin is, uh, is is a great talent. There, there's no disputing that. Let's let's not even get into that. But, but anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. Here, yeah, let's, finishing in the championship. Like, is a successful career. I feel like if you finish in the top 10 of the championship, if Darren Bender finishes in the top 10 championship, I will be 100% shocked. Do you think that's a realistic expectation that Yamaha can put on him as a rookie in GP on his no, first no, no. on a, I mean, on a GP? Ever. You mean ever? Okay. Ever. Ever. Like, I, I will give you that his rookie year, there will be growing pains. They're, they're always growing pains. There are a few riders that are transcendent. He is not one of those, but I don't want to compare him to the Marquezes of the world because that's not fair to anyone. So I'm saying I don't think this guy finishes in the top 10 in MotoGP ever. That's what I'm saying, and that's why I think this is a joke. He has been – he is the – if he's not the longest running guy in Moto3 right now, he's one of them. He's top three. He has seven years in that class, and he is sixth in the championship. I think it bears mentioning he's also not been on some of the, the higher higher running teams, though, as well. Mm, that's, there's, he is this year. What did he do with it? Sixth? So, okay, really good. Now, let's talk about that because his teammate is not doing very well either. So they're on the same team, so riddle me that. Why are they both doing poorly? Well, he and his teammate are the ones that have been in there the longest. <laughs> they're right. both. No, I think they're both yeah, I mean, struggling. I think John McPhee, they're both he needs to pick fire. his lucky stars that he's got a seat next year with uh, Husqvarna. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know why that happened either. But, I'm, but at least it's the same year. I mean, look, this guy... Let's just go. We'll just do it. We'll go over year by year with Darren Bender. In the position in the championship, he finished 25th, 19th, 17th, 22nd, 8th, and 6th. That does not say MotoGP talent to me. And I, 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 I that's a pretty it, good trend it, up, though. <laughs> 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 okay. Point taken. You love Darren Bender. That's all you care. Let's no, make this no, bet. I think, no, Let's I absolutely make this think bet. it's a Yamaha move. It's a Yamaha gamble, and I, Yamaha took it with Fabio. They're going to take it with Bender, and if it pays off, then you're going to eat crow. That's all there is to it. Sure, sure. I will eat all that crow. What's the bet? We're going to have to think about that. We're going to have to come back no, next week. We're, not, we're actually almost no. out of time with this, and we spent a lot of time on this debate, and it's a uh, Tyson's well, fault, but this has been a lot of fun. Uh, this, look, I think... Here's the bet. If if I lose, I will wear the rider shirt of your choosing to the GP the next year. I will wear, as a matter of fact, I will wear one every day, a different one. I will buy three <laughs> and I'll wear I'll wear three different shirts. And you do the same. We get to pick them and up. And you 
oh, I get to, the, the winner gets to pick the shirts that have to be worn. The loser has to buy them. Oh, man. You in? Are you in? It's I'm, right I'm here in podcast yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. Let's do that. Perfect. We're, that's a virtual <laughs> handshake, guys. Yep, we're in. Virtual handshake. Okay, so I'm saying Bender never finishes when the top 10 in the championship, total for the season. Total for the and, season. Yep. 10th or his, better. His rookie season, I wear shirts. I, I'm going to give him – let's do the first two years. I'm going to give him the first – I don't think there's a chance in the world. That would be unfair. Yeah, that's a terrible bet for you if we bet about next season. Oh, I'll yeah. No, I agree with his, that. No, yeah. I, I will give you his entire run at RNF Yamaha. That fair? That's fair. Okay. We'll All call right. it that's fair. Yeah. Well, then – that debate is settled. I feel like I won. Everyone knows I won. Everyone knows my points were based on facts. Bows were based on feelings. But you know what they say. Facts don't care about those feelings. You know, podcast <laughs> land, if you haven't gotten to know yet, Jason loves to get the last word in. And, and you know, I'm not going to dispute. You had some good facts. You brought some good historical data up. But the problem is, is you can't predict the future. Which is exactly what ha- you would have made the same call with Fabio Quartararo, who we are now talking about as MotoGP champion. I I, I disagree. I, I'll I don't tell you disagree, why I disagree at all because you're all about historical data. You're all no, about no, research no. and looking at trends and looking at when, data and making decisions based on that. And listen, you would not have picked Fabio Quartararo. I was doing that to Darren Bender. Fabio Quartararo came in as the next great thing. Darren Bender never did, and then. A light switch went on late in his Moto2 career, and all of a sudden we saw the potential of Fabio, where we had not seen it for quite some time, and everybody was like, what is going on with this kid? And then it came back. But in the time that he looked great when he first came, and he didn't look great, and then he moved to Moto2, and he didn't look great, and then he looked great again, that whole time, Darren Bender was in there throwing it in the gravel in Moto3. All right. So we got to we, we we're go. out of time. We got to slide over to the Moto 2. <laughs> Let's go to Moto 2. 